Welcome to Alt Swift X's Game of Thrones Abridged, the Peregrine Falcon of YouTube channels, because we are so speedy. We read through the Game of Thrones books, and we do it quickly and efficiently, and we get all the good bits and skip all the food descriptions, and today we are reading an Eddard chapter. So what's happening now is that everybody is out searching for Aya and Nymeria. Uh, Aya has run off after the incident with Joffrey and Nymeria and Sansa and Micah, uh, and everyone's been out looking for days. Uh, and the chapter begins, they found her. Uh, so Eddard gets the news that Aya Stark has been found after running away, uh, and, and uh, Jory... Jory is the one who found her. Jory is, of course, one of the uh, uh, Winterfell Stark guardsmen, and he is, by all accounts, a good bloke, but an ill-fated one, as we will soon see. Uh, and so Ned is beyond relieved that Arya has been found. He's been up all night, he's been exhausted, leading the searches to try and find Arya, very concerned for his daughter. Um, but where is she? Well, she's been taken by the Lannisters. Uh, the Queen... Uh, immediately had uh, Arya brought before her, uh, and Ned's like, shit, the fucking queen's got her, what's the fucking queen plotting? Um, and so Ned is is furious that his daughter's being withheld from him, and he marches off to go and get Arya and confront, uh, and they mention how at the moment they're staying, uh, they're staying at the castle of Sir Raymond Darry, uh, who's just this sort of random lordling. And they mentioned that the, the Darys fought beneath Rhaegar Targaryen's banner back in the day. Uh, so these guys are kind of implied to be kind of Targaryen loyalists to some extent, which which uh, coincides, which supports some of Lyria Mopatis' talk to Viserys, saying that some people are fans of, of Team Targaryen still. Uh, which, again, becomes less of a thing later on in the series. Um, which so, so it sort of feels like something that George Martin might have changed his mind about a little bit as the series went on, perhaps. Uh, but in any case, it's just a bit of background. Um, but, but yeah, they talk about how attentions are high because of all these different people are crammed into the, into the one place while they're being held up looking for Arya. Uh, and so they head into the room, and there's all these people around, and the king, Robert... He's slumped in the high seat, and he looks sullen, and he looks closed, he looks defeated and tired, whereas Cersei and Joffrey are standing tall and proud and angry beside him. Uh, and Arya is at the centre of the room, and she's terrified and tiny and shaking, and she's saying she's sorry, she's sorry, she's sorry, because of course Arya is a bit of a badass, but she is uh, like nine years old. Uh, so she's scared and saying sorry. And she also mentions how she survived out there for days uh, by eating berries and stuff, uh, which is another testament to her adaptability, I think, her resourcefulness. Uh, although eating random berries could get you in trouble. I'm no wilderness expert, uh, and I doubt George Martin is either, frankly. Uh, and so Ned sort of scans the room and sort of works out who's there, uh, and he's a bit concerned that it's mostly Lannisters around. Uh, he also sees uh, uh, Raymond Darry, uh, Renly Baratheon, Barrison Selmy, um, so he's sort of scanning what the sort of what the feel is, the tone is in the room, uh, uh, for strategic sort of reasons. Um, 
And Ned's like, come on, what the fuck? What are you doing dragging my daughter out to this fucking Spanish Westerosi Inquisition? Why wasn't my daughter just brought straight to me? She's nine years old. I need to look after her. Uh, and Cersei's like, oh, you, don't you fucking talk. Why, how, don't be so rude. I'm doing business here. And, and and Robert's like, sorry about all this bullshit. We just, you know, we've got to deal with it, you know? And Ned's like, what do you mean fucking deal with it? It's time we've found her. Let's all just chill. But then Cersei is like, nope, we're, we're laying down some law here uh, because your daughter attacked my son. Uh, Arya and Micah and the direwolf, they, they attacked Joffrey and they beat him with clubs. And Arya yells liar and says no that's not true at all because that's not true at all uh but then joffrey's like yeah you attacked me uh and the king's like fuck shut everyone shut up like what what am i meant to do about this um and so Aya tells her whole story and and, and renly renly uh robert's brother starts to laugh when they say how Aya disarmed joffrey and threw his sword in the river um and it is funny <laughs> renly talks about how a nine-year-old girl the size of a rat managed to take your sword, disarm you with a broom handle, and throw away your sword. Uh, which is a pretty ridiculous image, but he doesn't really do much to ease tensions, does he, by that comment. So everyone gets even more pissy and aggravated. Um, and Robert's like, well, what the fuck am I meant to do about this? I'm the king, like, what? I've got one kid saying one thing, I've got another kid... Like, this This is not what Robert imagined. When Robert Baratheon marched out to to defeat Rhaegar Targaryen and become the king of Westeros, this is not what he imagined being the sort of shit he'd have to deal with. Uh, but sadly, kings do have to make these kinds of annoying, difficult dis- decisions. Uh, um, so they bring out Sansa. Sansa, who was also there. Um, and they say, all right, Sansa, you were there, you're an impartial third party, tell us what went down. Uh, and Sansa comes out, and she's tearful, because she's torn. She's torn between her sister, who she does feel loyalty to. I mean, credit where credit's due, Sansa, Sansa doesn't really connect with Arya, she has lots of tension with Arya, but she does have enough loyalty to Arya to, to, you know, not want to dib-dob her in. And on the other hand, she's drawn to Joffrey who, of course, is a little shit, but it's also the prince who Sansa, at this point, is uh, supposedly going to marry. So she has loyalty to, to Prince Joffrey, too. So she sort of does the sort of limp dick sort of in-between and just says, she doesn't take sides, she just says, I don't know what happened. I don't know, it all happened so fast, I, oh, I don't know. And then Arya uh, responds uh, suboptimally. Uh, she shrieks at, uh, at Sansa, knocks her to the ground, and pummels her, screaming, liar, liar, liar. Uh, which is, you know, true, Sansa's lying, but Arya is not easing things by doing that. And so Cersei says, look, Arya is as wild as her filthy animal. I want her punished. And Robert's like, punishing a nine-year-old girl? Like, what the f- what do you want me to do? You know, whip her? Or like, what? I'm not- don't make me deal with this. So Robert this whole time just doesn't want to be here. And Cersei has the fucking eyes for vengeance, is what she has. Um, and so Robert's like, look, just- look, just discipline- Ned, you discipline your daughter, I'll discipline my son, and we'll call an end to it. And so for a moment it looks like things are finished. And everyone's sort of like, okay, cool, whatever, done. But- Cersei says, but what about the beast that savaged your son Joffrey? And Robert's like, I do have to deal with the wolf. Uh, And 
Jory Castle, good old good old Jory Castle's like, well, we didn't find the wolf, so we can't do anything to the wolf. And so again, everyone's like, okay, all right, so fine, we can't deal with the wolf, whatever, who cares, let's move on. But then Cersei again is like, um, but we do have a wolf still. We have Sansa's dire wolf, Lady. Uh, and, um... And they're like, well, but no, but that direwolf didn't do anything. But Robert's like, well, look, it's a, it's a, it's a direwolf. It's a giant, savage, killer dog. Uh, it should be put down anyway. Give Sansa a dog instead. She'll be happier for it. Which, you know, from Robert's perspective, is pretty reasonable. Like a direwolf is like a wild animal. Um, it's probably from his perspective not a good idea to keep it around the camp. But of course, that's not really what Robert is thinking. What Robert's thinking here is that he just wants to make a concession to his wife Cersei to keep her happy. Um, because Cersei is very much sort of domineering in this situation. Um. And Sansa starts to realise, holy shit, they're going to execute my pet, who I love, and I have this bond with, and this burgeoning magical relationship with. Um, and so she starts to break down, and, and Ned's like, I don't want to, no, that's fucked up, I don't want to do this. And Sansa is breaking down and crying and crying and, and pleading and saying, no, not Lady, Lady didn't do anything, Lady's good. Lady's good, she didn't do anything, don't kill Lady, she's good. And so what I think this kind of represents in some ways is that... Uh, this is a world where, due to, like, political structures, due to the powers that be, those who are innocent are killed. Um, because, yeah, because th- this is what happens. So, like, yeah, they decide that... Um, so Robert sort of caves in in a really weak way. Robert has flat, dead eyes, and he allows his uh, wife, Cersei, to steamroll over him. And Joffrey is smiling because he's enjoying the fucking suffering of other people because he's a psycho. Um... And so, yeah, it's decided that Lady will be killed. And Ned, being Ned Stark, is like, oh, since I have the honour of the North, uh, um, I'll do it myself. I'll execute the wolf myself. Um, And he goes out and he does so. But what they emphasise about Lady is that Lady is gentle and trusting. And she's like, she has the nature of Sansa. She, she, she's good, as Sansa keeps saying. And yeah, this, what this represents is that peaceful, good, innocent people are killed in the Game of Thrones. Lady is like the first casualty of this story in a lot of ways. Um, it almost kind of foreshadows the death of Ned, you could say. Uh, kind of. Because like, Ned is also this sort of innocent, good man. Ned, Ned embodies the good, noble, does the right thing guy. But sadly, he's always in tension because being a good guy in Westeros isn't so easy. And in Lady's case, the good direwolf, it it ends very hard indeed. Uh, So Lady the direwolf, the innocent direwolf, is tragically executed by Ned Stark on the orders of Cersei. And this is also sort of Cersei's first major crime in the series as well. This is what, like, because there's really no reason from her perspective to kill Lady other than just to cause suffering for the Starks. Like, really? Like, why inflict this suffering on them? Um, So this is a real sort of bad guy, moustache-twirling move from the Lannisters. Um, uh, And Ned, after executing Lady, he tells Jory and he tells the Stark men, I want you to send four guys, and I want you to take them all the way up to Winterfell with the corpse of Lady, and I want you to bury Lady at Winterfell. Which is pretty crazy because that's a long ass way, but, and 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 what this yeah and the reason is that is that Ned says that um, yeah it deserves to be buried in Winterfell sort of thing. The Lannister woman will never have the wolf skin, um, 
So it's sort of a fuck you to the Lannisters to some extent, but also I think it's a, a northern culture thing. Because the direwolf is is the symbol of House Stark. It's a creature of the North. It's very mythologically and culturally and mystically important. So it's important to the Starks that the Nor- the direwolf is buried there. Um, and of course, being yeah, being the sigil of House Stark, this is not a good uh, symbol. This is not a good portent. This is not a good sign for House Stark. The death of a direwolf. Um, so he does that, and Sansa is distraught, and Joffrey is happy that other people's suffering. And just after Ned executes Lady, uh, Sandor Clegane rides in, and Sandor Clegane says to Ned, "Oh, we 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 got your, we got Arya's little pet." And Ned at first is like, "Oh, they got Nymeria, they killed Nymeria. Shit, uh, that sucks." But they open up the duffel bag of corpses. Uh, uh, they don't call it a duffel bag of corpses, but they look, and it's not the direwolf Nymeria, it's the butcher's boy, Micah, that Sandor has killed with a savage blow from above. And the hound laughs, and he says that he, the Micah ran, but not very fast. So, Sandor Clegane, in later parts of the story, when he has his relationship with Arya and we see more of Sandor. Sandor becomes not a good guy, but certainly someone who's more relatable and more sympathetic. But you always got to remember this first, this early chapter, Sandor killed a child for fun, you know? And, and probably not for the first time. Sandor, like Joffrey, enjoys inflicting violence on others. Uh, so let's just keep that in mind before we start thinking of Sandor too fondly. Um... So yeah, not 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 the best of dudes. But also, also interestingly about this chapter, so Nymeria, Arya's direwolf, she runs off. Arya separates from Nymeria because Arya knows that Nymeria would be killed. Uh, and the story of Nymeria is actually something that gets continued throughout the series. We get these little hints later on in the story that Nymeria, Arya's direwolf, is still out there somewhere. Uh, and not only that, but has gathered a pack, a massive pack of wolves in the Riverlands and is running around with them. And Aya has these wolf dreams. Um, so we know how, like, like Bran has these dreams where he's inside his direwolf summer. Well, John gets a couple of those and Aya also gets those, those wolf dreams. Um, uh, so these, these connections, these psychic connections to Nymeria far away in the Riverlands. And so um, George Martin himself has acknowledged, I think, that, that uh, the, the direwolf pack, Nymeria's wolf pack, is a bit of a Chekhov's gun. It's it's an instrument in the story that will have to be used at some point. So a lot of fans are excited to see how Nymeria's Wolfpack is going to come into the story and to what effect. And of course, when and how and if uh, Aya herself might be reunited with Nymeria. Um, it would be a wonderful moment. One of the many reunions that people look forward to of Arya Stark. People want to see Arya meet up with Jon again, and meet up with Sansa again, and meet up with uh, Rickon again would all be really cool, but Nymeria as well uh, would be great. Um, so that was a chapter. Um, so we learned we learned that... The, I think this chapter, perhaps of all the chapters, is the one in which the Lannisters are the most baddies because of course Lannister characters Cersei especially does do worse things later on no doubt but 
when that happens, we have the extra context of having Lannister POV characters, when we start to really understand the Lannisters more and their motivations more. Um, which doesn't justify the Lannister actions, but at least helps us understand them. At this point, we really have no insight into the Lannisters at all, at this point, really. Like, all we know at this point, from the outside, the Lannisters just look like two-dimensional bad guys, really. Maybe not two-dimensional. But we don't have any understanding of why the Lannisters act the way they do. But doing something like having Lady executed for no reason, get lying to get Arya in trouble and all that stuff, and of course, you know, Bran getting pushed out of the tower before, like, all of this stuff seems like senseless bad guy behavior. Uh, and it's only later that we start to understand them better. Um, so again, a lot of what's fascinating about reading this first book is about seeing the starting points of all these characters and our understandings and our relationships with these characters and how they change later on as we learn more. This is all sort of establishing the foundation for the rest of the edifice that is A Song of Ice and Fire. So thank you for listening to this episode of Alt Swift X's Game of Thrones Abridged. I hope you enjoyed. Leave a comment below if you did. And I'll see you next time. Cheers.